may not have noticed, there's kind of been a theme. I've just been telling you who you are. I'm like, hey, this is what's true of you, not because of what God has done. And so there's just, just because it's true of you doesn't mean it comes into your experience. The way it comes into your experience is when you begin to believe what is true about you. Like, like, you know, Jesus says, I mean, the Bible says, you know, Jesus inspired it. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 says, you've received every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so you read that, and it's like, wow, that's, you know, sometimes the promises are so, it's like a blank check. They're so amazing. We just read them, and then we read the next verse. We don't stop and pause and go, oh, my goodness, like, did, did you read what that just said? And so how do you take those, all those spiritual blessings and get them into our experience? And so you've got to begin to believe it. So week after week, last week we talked about the bride of Christ. And we saw that God has a plan to turn you into a lookalike of his son. He's going to fill the, he's going to fill the earth with people who look just like his son. He's conforming you into in the image of Jesus. And we've read those passages. And when you stop and think about it, he's making me to look like Jesus. And some of you are like, man, I've got a long way to go. And I just want to say, he, he can do a quick work. Like he's... Like, he's amazing at this. It's, he's just looking for someone to give up. So you know what? I mean, not like, you know, I'm going to become this robot, you know, I'm this ventriloquist dummy. I'm talking about, like, God, I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live in a power that's not my own. So um, two weeks ago, we looked at living from a new reality of being united with Christ. And we saw how before you lived in, uh, before Christ, you lived in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own... Re- Is that John and Beth? Oh, my goodness gracious. John and Beth. I thought you were coming home next week. Oh, my goodness. There are missionaries from Uganda. Missed you guys. Sorry, I'm thrown off now. Man, oh, man. (laughs) Yes. Welcome home. My goodness. I want to have a good cry. I missed you guys. So, all right. We need to start over again here. I am messed up. Oh, my gosh. I got really emotional over that. So. Man, oh man, whoo. Tell you what, when you got people who are just willing to lay down their life, it's just really an honor to work with them. So it's good. It's good. Yeah. You know what? We've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 5. I lost all the will to review. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Yeah, just go listen to it. It was good stuff. So I want to talk to you about what happens when the kingdom comes inside of you, the effect that it has on the world around you. And so I, I taught on this word picture about a year and a half ago, but there's some fresh things on it. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's kind of unfortunate that there's a chapter break there, because I think sometimes we're reading stuff. I'm not going to look over in the side of the room. We're going to be reading stuff, and, um, and we see a chapter break, and we think like, oh, this is like, you know, it's a whole different section. So Jesus has been, in, in chapter 4, he's been doing miracles. He's been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. All these amazing things are happening. And... Um, and so then he takes his disciples and he begins to tell them who they are right in the middle of it. So it's like these miracles are happening, there's amazing things are happening, and begins to bring the disciples to him and says, listen, I want you to know who you are. Because the Bible says, well, let's just get into it. I'm, all right, I'm sorry. You guys messed me up. I'm not, I'm really <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. I want you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's telling them who they are. I want you to notice he's not saying, someday you're going to be the salt of the earth. Or if you guys get your act cleaned up, then you'll be the salt of the earth. He said, this is a present tense reality because you have a covenant with me. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how will, it, how will its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What strikes me is it doesn't say you ought to be salt and light. Hey, guys, come on. Get your act. You, you, you should be doing this. No, and he says, this is who you are. Remember, with the Bible, what it often does is it's pulling back the curtain on what's actually going on in the heavenly realm. Like, this, this is a new reality, and I'm cluing you into it. And if you begin to believe it, it will begin to manifest in your life. Here's something interesting. So in 1 John, we read that God is light. So it's okay. God is light. And then um, in Ephesians, where believers are called children of light. In the Philippians, it says that we're um, lights shining among, uh, among the nations. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Why did Jesus say, as long as I'm in the world, I'm in the light of the world? Because when he leaves, he's going to come and live inside of us, and we become that light. Isn't that interesting? I'm the light as long as I'm here, but when I'm gone, you guys are it. You are the light of the world. Jesus is telling us, listen, your assignment has changed. Your old way of life, you're just going through life, living for yourself, you know, you're surviving, hoping to thrive, but you're actually going to be doing something different. You're not going for the survival. You're not trying to just, you know, maybe thrive and do well in this life and be successful. You're actually, your assignment has changed. Not, now your mission is to change the nature of the world around you because the world inside of you has been changed. Everything light touches, it changes. Okay? I mean, it, 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 that's just how it works. You could read it like this. The, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so Greek... It can say it exactly how it wants to say it, okay? So here's one way it could be translated. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. You and you alone are the light of the world. Guys, if we're not doing our jobs, they're never going to know what God's like. Like, there is no plan B. It's like, okay, if these people, uh, if my church, they don't begin to look like me, then what I'm going to do is we're going to you know, have the angels put on a giant play in the sky. Like, there is no plan B. He's like, guys, you're it. You don't, you don't have to try to do it. You are it. Be it. We're going to look at what be it looks like here in a, in a second. It's interesting. He said, uh, so, you know, I've... Every pastor has talked about this passage a number of times. And so, you know, a lot of times it talks about, you know, salt in the, in the ancient days. It was used to preserve meat. And so believers have this effect of preserving the decay of society. And, you know, hey, that, that, that's probably true at one level, but that's not what the text says. The text says that if salt has lost its taste or has lost its flavor, it's worth nothing. What's the, what is salt supposed to do? It's supposed to add flavor. This is what you and I, this is part of our... our Part of our assignment here on earth is you and I are supposed to add flavor to our government. You're supposed to add flavor to your workplace, to your neighborhood, to the school that you go to, to the arts and entertainment, to the way businesses are run in our city. Just by you being there, you're going to have an effect on the environment in a way that brings kingdom. I'm taking it. Listen on the message translation. It really, it really gets it. A message translation is kind of a paraphrase of the Bible. Jesus says this. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how are people going to taste godliness? You and I are to draw out the God flavors of the environment around us. Jesus goes on to say, flavorless salt is good for nothing. Um, another translation says worthless. 
So have you guys ever read the Passion Translation of the Bible? I never, never got that. Brian Simmons, we had him over at Pickerington Canvas. My goodness. I mean, if you, I just encourage you to pick one up. They don't have like a whole New Testament yet. He's got different books. It is so worth it. This, it's worth it just for the study notes alone. I feel like, my goodness, it is, it is a treasure. So the Passion Translation has a footnote on the word, um, you know, salt is worthless or good for nothing. Uh, it says this, that... Um, uh, it says the word worthless in this passage can mean either good for nothing or foolish. Okay, so salt that has lost its saltiness is foolish. And then the footnote says, so that salt that is powerful is wise. Okay, I want you, I want you to follow this with me. So you are the salt of the earth, and when you're salt, you are wise. Now, if you go to Proverbs, um, you know, the, the definition of proverb isn't just a wise saying, according to the footnote in the Passion Translation Bible of Proverbs chapter 1. I'm not, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm just telling you. It's ridiculous. It makes my job easy. Okay? So here's what the word proverb means, okay? It means to rule, to reign in power, to take dominion. I'm going to connect some dots here. The rabbis had this saying that they equated salt with wisdom, okay, in the ancient rabbis. So we listen to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. If I'm, if I'm scattered here, I'm going to bring it together in just a moment, okay? Proverbs 1, 1. Here are kingdom revelation, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life. Okay. Wisdom enables people to reign in life. Uh, to reign in life doesn't mean that we're going to rule over people. I was listening to a preacher this week, and it was, it was going so good. He was preaching on prosperity and uh, just God's heart for us, and it was, it was so good. And he, he talked about how... There's a verse in the Old Testament how the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred to the righteous. And he's like, and that's when we get to tell them what's on the airwaves. And we get to dictate what TV shows look like. And it's like, we get to command and make this Christian culture come. No, 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 guys. Reigning in life doesn't mean that we're the bosses now and we got all the money. And now it's just going to be Kirk Cameron movies at the theater. Okay. That's not what it means to reign in life. It means in any situation, we have victory in it. No matter what the situation is, we've got wisdom, we've got access, we've got heaven's perspective. We're able to bring an influence, okay? Believers are always at their best when they're serving, not when they're trying to... Here's what Paul says. He says, God has given me authority to build you up. Okay, so that when we're reigning in life, we are building other people up, not sitting fat and sassy, telling them, no, 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 you're not putting cuss words in these. I'm not for cuss words, but you get what I'm saying. We're not trying to control things. When people taste godliness, when they taste righteousness, it's attractive. It speaks for itself, and it doesn't need to be defended. Okay? People are like, I don't really like your Jesus, but I like the way that you and your wife treat each other. What's happening? They're... They're having salt poured on their tongue, and they're thirsting for the water of life, and they don't even know it. What's he say? He says, you're salt. When you begin to live in a wise way, when you be, you're going to begin to reign in life, and it's going to pour salt on their tongues and make them thirsty for the things of God. He didn't say, try to do this, get this strategy. And the thing about salt is it doesn't make a whole bunch of noise. It's not like, hey, I'm about to flavor your food. Do, 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 do. It's just, it, it just is. It doesn't have to make a whole big announcement. Hey, look at the way I'm about to treat my wife. You see what I'm saying? It's just people notice it. This is how God has set up the kingdom influence. Is I'm going to talk about how to, how to have it happen through you in just a second. To reign in life means that money doesn't rule over me. I direct money and make it my slave. 
I turn those dollars into soldiers to accomplish my destiny and help others accomplish their destiny. So when God tells me to do something, I don't have to go to money as my master and say, can we afford this? Okay, I, I know a lot of us, we're not, we're not there. That, that's okay. I'm, just, I'm trying to give you a vision of where God wants us. I really feel like we're supposed to spend the fall. Well, just forgive me, gang. I feel like we're supposed to go after every believer having great wealth. Many preachers have taught people, listen, many people have taught that God wants to prosper you, but they've never taught how to prosper. Okay? And so what happens is we've been living in the wilderness, and so slavery is like there's no hope. And the will, I'm not here to talk about this, but let me just talk about this for a second. In the wilderness, listen, you can't go to the promised land and just go through the wilderness. Here's the lesson of the wilderness is I can completely trust God. There's miracles of provision, miracles of provision, but there's never more than enough. That's, that's where most believers, they, that's our, they're like, I'm giving, I'm doing these things, and you know, God's providing, but I don't seem to have that more than enough. The lesson in the wilderness is I can completely trust God even when it looks impossible. And for the people who get that heart, they can go into the promised land. And here's the lesson in the promised land. Is, um, so you know, they had miracles of provision. They had manna, you know, water coming out of rocks in the, in the wilderness. As soon as they went into the promised land, um, the manna stopped, and God began to bless the work of their hand. Isn't that interesting? So it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but they had to have the discipline to get up and milk the goats every day. Money cometh. Well, here's how it cometh, is you go and milk the goats, and the land flowing with milk and honey is the honey is you're going to have to learn how to keep bees and harvest honey. You see what I'm saying? He began to bless the work of the hand. And once they were able to be blessed, they were able to go slay giants and take walled cities and turn them into God's covenant. Okay. And so, oh, I, I just, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> but, so here's what happens, guys. Uh, as, if a man sows generously, he reaps generously. Your giving determines the amount of the storm clouds of rain over your life. The Bible, in Malachi 3, he said, also known as the Italian prophet Malachi, it says this in Malachi 3. He says that um, he will open the windows of heaven. Okay, windows of heaven was a metaphor for rain. So we have a lot of Christians that are sowing generously. There's storm clouds, but they haven't sown a seed on earth for God to bless. So they keep expecting big checks to come in the mailbox when God wants to bless the work of your hand, which means you're going to get, you know, he's either going to prosper you at your job, he's going to give you a business, you're going to increase in paper assets, stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds, uh, mutual funds, or you're going to ex uh, excel in real estate. It's the only ways you can multiply finances. You see what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying we've been taught God wants you to prosper. We haven't been taught how does he want us to prosper. You're going to have to put a seed on the earth and have the multiplication factor of heaven determined by your level of your sowing. Okay. And when we do that, we begin to reign in life over money. Money is no longer my servant. We, I, I, I can't go into this, but... But we're going to, guys, we're going to spend the fall doing this, okay? So if you're like, I don't want to be wealthy, it's more spiritual to be poor, um, skip the fall. <laughs> and if you're like, hey, I want a head start of learning the lessons of the wilderness, get my book. I'm realizing my book is a book of how to survive in the wilderness. It's not a book for the promised land, okay? So it's not bad. You have to go through the wilderness to get the promise. And I don't feel bad. I'm just realizing there, there's, there's a missing piece. How do you prosper? All right. I, mm. 
The second book, I don't even care about it right now. So I would rather live it and, um, and uh, you, know, you know, go by Craig Hill's Five Wealth Secrets. There's book two. It's better than mine. So anyway, or just listen to the series. So, you know, I just, I appreciate that, but yeah, just, I can't find the, mo- I've got it outlined. I've got it. I just can't find the motivation, James. I'm sorry. So, all right. Reigning in life means that in my relationships, I am able to affect the environment. The environment doesn't affect me. So if someone is showing high levels of disrespect to me, that doesn't affect who I am. I'm bringing love and honor to the table to people who don't deserve it because that's how God treats me, and that's who lives inside of me, and that's what salt and light looks like in this situation. And I'm going to show you, we don't have to try to work it up. Okay, This is who you are. I'm going to show you. how It's, it's, it's really easy how to release it. Okay, so the world is crying out for people with wisdom. If you look in the book of Proverbs, wisdom ends up showing up in things like this, integrity, excellence, and creativity. Okay, so when someone is full of wisdom, you're going to see excellence, creativity, and you're going to see that money is attracted to wisdom. A lot of people are pursuing money when in the kingdom, it's actually attracted to people who are full of wisdom and have a heart to establish this covenant on earth. I'm not here to talk about that. Man. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, this stuff just all works together. If you're sitting here feeling bad because you're not wealthy, man, that, boy, you're just not hearing what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to give you a vision, man. What if, what if there's something way better than any of us thought? Okay? Solomon, he's the son of King David, David who wrote the Psalms, and so Solomon wrote a whole bunch of the Proverbs. He modeled a level of wisdom that impacted its surroundings that was absolutely astounding. Kings of the earth, they left their positions. You've got to understand, kings, they're used to being served. These kings saw such a level of wisdom, of excellence, creativity, and um, integrity on Solomon that they left their positions of influence where they were most secure, most comfortable, most protected. They left their kingdoms and traveled to another kingdom because this thing of wisdom, every they, in the heart of every king is a desire for wisdom. It says that uh, you know, your gift will make a way for you. you know, when you begin to do things at a level of excellence, kings want to sit at your feet and begin to learn these things. Okay? Wisdom gives you influence in palaces. And so these people, I want you to get this picture. Solomon has such a level of wisdom that kings would leave it and would come, and they wouldn't just talk to him about God's stuff. I mean, he's talking about fish. He's talking about all he, he had wisdom. The queen of Sheba, she, um, she comes... She makes an interesting statement that um, she says, God has highly favored you, Solomon, because of his love for Israel. I want you to get this picture, gang. As God begins to put his favor on us, it's not a reward for us being especially faithful. It's not, favor is not for us. If the favor of God comes upon you and only blesses you, it didn't reach its intended target. The favor of God is so that everybody under you can be blessed. Everybody in your circle that you get influenced, they get raised. They get better. Their life becomes better because they're around you, because you're salt, because you're light, because you're carrying wisdom. Let me read this definition of favor uh, from Lance Wallnow. Favor throughout the Bible is the affection of God's towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. And the reason that God favors you is because he loves the people around you. He wants to pour salt on their tongue so that they will taste godliness. 
I believe that's what it means to be salt, because um, when salt has flavor, it draws out the significance and greatness of everybody that it touches. Second part of the instruction that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Here's uh, the message translation. It says, um, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. You know, it's difficult to see light because we're in it. We're in the midst of light. And so we actually don't see totally what light is like. So if you would imagine like we had a window here and light shining through, if you took a prism, you know, you know it's like a you know, multi-faceted piece of glass. If you took a prism and you um, put it up to the light, it would disperse into nine different colors. And you would begin to see the essence of what light looks like on the carpet. It would have the whole the range of, of, of the rainbow there, okay? People can't see what God is like. And so God has come, the light of the world, Jesus, has come and lived inside of us. We act as a prism to the world. We are manifestors of what God is like into this ninefold thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When people begin to see that, they begin to see this is what God's like. They're going to have no idea what he's like unless through, the light of the world begins to shine through you and me. I want you to get this. The Christian life is not you trying to be loving. Okay. Ah, got to love this person. I'm going to smack them. Okay. It's not, the Christian life is not grit teeth. I really want to do this, but because I love Jesus, I'm going to do this. But I really want to do this. Okay, that, that's not the Christian life. I know I ought to be happy. Um, it, it's, it's not that. It's God himself, God being himself through you because he is joy. Just get the picture, guys. This is already who you are if you are born again. Okay? Your assignment is to be salt and light. And he's given you every resource. We're going to talk about how to release it here in just a second. But, um, oh, here we are. Here's how you release it. Here's the Christian life. You can sum it up like this. It's the consciousness that Jesus lives within us. Okay, so I'm mindful that Jesus lives in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Holy Spirit lives in me. Okay, okay? So it's the, it's the consciousness that he lives within me, and I draw upon his infinite life in every situation I find myself in. Okay, so here's what it means. The more mature I get in God, it's not the less that I need him. The more mature I am in God, the more helplessly dependent I become in every situation, recognizing I can't handle this in my own strength. Remember, we talked about the old man and the new man. The old man handled it in his own strength. He's like, take off those clothes, put on these new clothes of I'm doing life with him. Here's the Christian life. Is I'm in a situation, I'm aware. I'm enjoying his presence. I'm walking with him. He's with me. And so I'm aware of that. And, uh, and I begin to draw on those resources. I'm just enjoying him. And light's coming out of me. Salt's coming out of me. Just what I need in that situation is coming out of me. Not, not with grit teeth. You see, it just... It just happens. So as I become more mature, I will have an increasing sense of my own weakness that I might no longer trust in myself, and I'm learning to live more and more and more from his strength. And when you do that, you are salt. You are light. You're beginning to affect the environment around you more on accident than you ever could on purpose without him. That's amazing. You guys know like, this is like his plan to transform the world, right? Like, we're not just trying to, like, live good lives and, you know, do, you know, do more good than the bad things and try not to do the really bad things. And, you know, like, like that's not the Christian life. It's just, you know, trying to hang on until heaven. Okay? 
you've heard me make this statement. Um, God's not trying to get you into heaven when you die. He's trying to get you into heaven before you die. He's trying to get you to live in the kingdom of heaven, to live in the reality that's inside of you. And as you begin to be aware of it, as you begin to say, God, I want that. I don't want my way. It begins to manifest supernaturally, and you almost change effortlessly. Now, there's an effort. You're renewing your mind. I, I get that. But you're changing more by accident, by fellowshipping with him, by walking with him, than you ever could through raw discipline and courage. And I'm going to do this and this and this. And the reason you fast and pray is so that you can walk with that consciousness of him. Okay? If fasting and praying isn't helping you walk with the consciousness of him, stop doing it. I'm not, like, don't stop praying. You, you get what I'm saying. It's like, you got a journal. You need a journal every day. Well, is it leading you to, like, love God and love people more? No. Stop it. Like, like, you don't get points for these things. The whole thing is a life with him. So, again, we're not these, you know, like a glove puppet. You know, it's not like Jesus is, is like, controlling us. It's, it's an interesting thing. As I yield to say, God, I want more of your life flowing through me, I become more me than I ever could without it. How does it work? I, I don't have an idea. I don't know. Instead, I just helplessly draw on his strength over and over and over again. And as I do that, I become the person I was made to be. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So when is a bright city most visible? At night. Okay? So here, it's interesting. He's like, I'm placing you right in the middle of darkness. I'm placing you right in the middle of this dark area so that you will most be, most be seen. The picture here is that the city, there's a hill, it's dark, people are groping in the darkness, but they see this light, and they're, they're drawn to it, okay? So people from a great distance, it's like, hey, what is it? Just in the same way that a stream provides water, that a tree provides shade, that a garden provides fruit, is the same way that a city on a hill provides a refuge for people who are, who are in need. He says, you are those kind of people, when they see you, it's like, man... I'm drawn to it. I don't know what's going on, but there's something on your life that I need. Well, we all love the go of the gospel. People are like, what's the first two letters of the gospel? Go. And we love the go of the gospel. I mean, obviously, John and Beth, we're like the go of the gospel. We're all, we're all about that, okay? I don't ever want to lose sight of that. But there's an aspect where we become something that people can come to. I don't mean just come and attend church. I mean, that'll, that will happen. I believe that's the lowest level of revival is just trying to get people to come to church. Okay, that, that'll happen as a byproduct, okay? The focus is we become a community of believers that so broadcast light that people are finding a refuge. They're like, man, ah, oh, there's just a rest in here. There's hope. Man, I feel peace when I come in here. What are they doing? They're tasting godliness. The emphasis is on impacting our city with the king and his kingdom. Jesus is like, Hey, this is your new assignment. You're going to realize you've been brought into a different realm, and this is who you are. And if you don't do it, nobody else will. You're like tasteless salt and invisible light. Remember, he's like, no one, no one has a light, and it's like, whoo, put it under a bushel. He's like, I didn't fill you with light so that you could just go and blend in with the crowd. You're on a mission, and that mission doesn't mean you have to be the nag in residence at work. You know you shouldn't be doing that. Someone you know, uses Jesus' name in vain. Jesus Christ, they say. And they're like, oh, do you know him too? He's my savior. It's like, oh my goodness. Just like, stop with the foolishness. 
or my favorite form of witnessing, Christian graffiti on the side of bridges. I'm like, why? It's like breaking the law. Like, you know. But we're pouring salt on their tongue. Instead of being the nagging residents, what if you were the most encouraging person in the workplace? What if you were known as like, like I want this to be true in my life. It's like when I'm with people, they're, they're buoyed. Like they're, 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 they're lifted up. They're encouraged. It's like I'm, I'm finding the gold. I'm, you know, I'll just be honest. I have a habit. I can, I can talk about myself in a conversation the whole time and think it was a brilliant conversation. Uh, we were just with, uh, you know, Danny Silk was here, like, um, you know, just still here. He's actually in Pickerington right now. And so we're eating with him, and um, I, I got one of those elbows uh, from Mary. And I know it was like, you've been talking about yourself for a long time. Why don't you take a breath and turn his And so I, so I, I understand that. So that's not who I want to be. And so, um, you know, so salt and light, they're going to be aware of other people's needs. They're going to be looking in the room and like, God, what do, you, what do you have to say about this person? You don't have to be weird. I prophesy to you that, they, you know, you don't even have to do that. You're just salt and light. It just is who you are. It's the most fun thing in the world. I was eating with a couple of pastors, and we're, you know, being kind of rowdy and just joking around. And I didn't even notice that we were being honoring to the waitress. We were just having fun with her and asking her her story and stuff. And she, uh, she comes up to us in the end. She hands us our bill. She says, who are you guys? She said, it's like you're from another world. Thank you for treating me like a person. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to get a giant tip for that. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it was, you see what I'm saying? It wasn't like this planned thing, like, okay, we're a bunch of pastors. Okay, we're going to be light, guys. Okay, so we're going to, you know, it, it wasn't that, man. We're just enjoying the Lord. We're just enjoying each other. And it was like, that was really fun. And I didn't even know we were doing anything. Bill Johnson, he tells a story that I just absolutely love. Um, it's the story of a man. He had no natural qualifications to be like a business advisor, but he just had wisdom from heaven. And so he would be in these situations, and there was this oil company, and God gave this guy a download. There was, you know, all the executives are meeting. God gave him a download of how to do business in a way that was actually better for the environment than what they were doing. It was actually more profitable. And so they began to invite this guy to all the meetings. And so... Uh, one of the people pulled him aside before, the, before one of these meetings and said, hey, are you going to do that thing? And then he's like, well, what thing? He said, you know, that thing where you talk and that presence comes in the room. What's happening? Here, here's what you need to understand. Here's what prophecy looks like in a, in a business realm is you get a download from heaven. God gives you an amazing idea. And because it's inspired by him, when you speak it out, the Holy Spirit rides upon your words. And there's a presence that comes in the room. And people aren't going, whoa, I'm getting whacked. They're not, they're not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe they will. I'm not going to limit you. <clears throat> but it's probably going to look more like this. People are going to go, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that way. That sounds good. What's happening? There's some salt going on. There's some light going on. That person's tasting. Hey, are you going to do that thing? Imagine believers full of the Holy Spirit and power, full of integrity, creativity, and excellence, moving together in our city in proximity to the shapers of our culture and begin to make them taste godliness. And God begins to actually put them in positions of influence and gives them favor so that everybody around them prospers and has salt poured on their tongue. You have a mission. Uh, we're part of a missional movement where we're taking the church to the world. As a result, I'm sure 
people are going to come to our church, okay? I'm more concerned uh, that we are taking the church to the world. See, salt that stays in a salt shaker is just a table ornament. Okay? And so, uh, like, our goal isn't like, oh, I got to work all week. Whoo! I get to do church stuff. Okay? Church stuff is to equip you, to remind you who you are, tell you who he is, to you know, show you what's available to equip your head, heart, and hands so that you can go out and be salt and light because you and you alone are the salt of the world. You and you alone are the light of the world. He's like, hey, as long as I'm in the world, I'll be the light. You guys get a break. Oh, I'm going away? It's on you. You're the only hope. Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. You're the only hope, gang. Another picture. I'm almost done. Oh my gosh, it's 20 to 12? This is amazing. I love signs and wonders. You know what? The first words out of my mouth this, this, this morning, I was like, holy spirit, let's have signs and wonders. Something like that. And I didn't think it would look like a getting out before noon, but this could be it. Another word picture he gives is leaven. Jesus says, um, you take a little bit of leaven, and it works its way through the whole dough. Like that, that, that's the nature, you have to understand, this is the nature of the world that you and I have been birthed into and that we're carrying on the inside of us, of the kingdom of God. As God puts you in a situation, and as you're yielding to him, enjoying him, drawing on his resources, you begin to affect the nature of the environment around you. Remember, he didn't say, hey, when you're really good, this, this is who you are right now because the light is living on the inside of you. And you may have been blowing it, blowing it, blowing it, but the moment you begin to turn to him, and draw on him, everything changes. All that past gets wiped out, and you get a new sphere of influence. God put Adam and Eve in the middle of chaos to transform it. So the Garden of Eden was amazing. Outside the Garden of Eden was a mess. Okay, and he told them, hey, you know, out of, you know, you created in my image, in my likeness, intimacy, represent who I am. Um, he said, subdue the earth and take dominion. You don't need to subdue and take dominion over something that looks like the garden. The garden was amazing. So he, he gives a pattern here. Is, here's this paradise of God, this fellowship with God, and out of that, they were to take it, and basically, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I'm stealing this phrase. You may recognize it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden. Out of intimacy with Jesus, they're buck naked, covered in his glory. I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm just giving you a picture. That's heaven on earth, man. Buck naked with your wife in the garden. I don't know. Whatever that I said. So here they are. Intimacy with God, covered in his glory. And they were to take what was happening in their relationship with God and their influence in the garden. And they were to take that and they were to spread it so that the rest of the earth looked like it. Here's how the Old Testament prophets uh, said it. They said that the, um, the glory of God would cover the earth as the water covered the sea. You guys have to understand, we're not just here waiting to go to heaven. Okay, we're making up there come down here. And the way we do it is through simply walking with him, yielding to him, drawing on his strength. And as we do that, we begin to affect the environment around us. If you believe that you are salt and light, you can't complain about where you are. You've been placed there by God. The office where you work, the school where you go to, the neighborhood where you live, the apartment complex you find yourself in, you've been placed there by God. A lot of us want to create a Christian ghetto 
Let's all get together and let's all live in the same neighborhood and let's have Christian bookstores and Christian coffee shops and, and Christian movies and this and that. And you go, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not against like Christian bookstores or that kind of stuff or Christian coffee shops, but um, I'm against Christian movies. But um, just because they're so bad. It's like, come on, man. Like, we just, like, we just watched um, Heaven is for Real. Oh my gosh, that is the worst movie. Like, our family's yelling at the television. It's, it's like, like, are you kidding me? You put this in theaters? You got the pastor, the wife has a miscarriage, and the pastor's like, you already, st-. so the kid's on the, I'm just ruining it for you. The kid has his appendix burst, and he's on the table. He has this encounter with God. But while he's on the table, they don't want the kid's going to live or die. The pastor, the, like the main character, the dad, he's a pastor, and he's like, God, you already took one of my kids with a miscarriage. Are you going to take another one of my kids? I'm like, still kill and destroy somebody else's job description. And then, he's, then he begins to believe that heaven is a real place, and his church is going to vote him out because his new beliefs about the supernatural of heaven is making them uncomfortable. So they actually vote him out of the church. I'm like... Christian movies, are you like, oh, I'm not here to talk about that. If you're going to make a Christian movie, make it awesome. Make like good over evil. Make like righteousness attractive. Wisdom, integrity, creativity. Go look at the matrix and just take out a couple swear words. That's basically it. I'm getting way off here, so. <laughs> You're not to pray, God, make me the light today. You're already in unbelief. Go and be who you are, conscious of him, drawing strength from the Christ who is in you. You've never seen salt struggling to be, salt, salt, struggling to be salty. It's never in there, like, jumbling around, like. <laughs> You've never seen, like, light and darkness having this, like, whirlwind tornado. Who's going to win? So light comes on in, and by its very nature, it affects the environment around it. I want to, our church to be known what we are for, not what we are against. Okay, obviously, I mean, the, the standards of God, when he says, hey, this is a bad idea, you know, um, you know sex outside of marriage, you know, I just fill in the blanks. You know all the all the stuff in the media. Um, he's doing it for your own protection, not to be a cosmic killjoy. God's like, I want you to have an amazing life. Let's just look at sex outside of marriage. Okay, if you think of sex as a fire, fire in the fireplace, amazing. Fire in the living room, not good at all. God's like, I created sex to be like this. Fire in the fireplace, it's awesome. Fire in the living room, it can destroy your life. He's not trying to be a killjoy. He's like, I'm trying to let you have the best life. Okay? But so many times Christians will, will, you know, where do you stand on abortion? Where do you stand on the president? Where do you stand on this and this? And it's just like, we're for Jesus. We're we're, we're in a whole different kingdom. And we want to affect this kingdom. We want to be able to have a voice against unrighteousness. The only way you're going to have a voice against unrighteousness is if you have a voice. And if you're just speaking to the choir, all agreeing with everything that's wrong, okay? If I, I'm telling you what, if I see a person that's a Christian with a picketing sign that says God hates and has some slur of homosexuals, I am going to slap them in the face and then ask for forgiveness. 
Like that is such, you know what it means to take the Lord's name in vain? It doesn't mean to say a cuss word. It means to misrepresent what he's really like. So when Moses was supposed to speak to the rock to get water out of it, instead out of anger, he struck the rock. He misrepresented that what God was angry when he wasn't angry. And God said, because you did that, you don't get to go in the promised land. When believers are portraying God as angry, he's not angry. He's not even in a bad mood. It says he's reconciled the entire world to himself, which means nobody is safe from a blessing. Like in his heart, he's like, you're mine. I'm just waiting for your yes so that I can embrace you. He's not like, oh my goodness, the homosexuals in San Francisco... Their sin has just gotten, if it gets this high, I'm going to wipe them out. Guys, here's what Jesus said to people who did that. You don't even know what spirit you're of. But the prophet on Elijah list said this, you don't know what spirit you're of. Not in the notes. When we were first married, I was uh, going to impress Mary by making some Toll House cookies. And so... Um, yeah, her expectations were pretty low too, okay? It's, I, I've got other cooking stories that were worse than this one, but I'll never forget this one. So I don't know how it happened, but I, I, I switched the amount of the salt with the sugar. And so like the, I think it was like a, like a cup of sugar, you know, it was supposed to be like a, you know, like a teaspoon of salt or something like that. And so I did like a teaspoon of sugar and a, um, like a cup of salt. And um, I tell you what, um, it made a big difference. <laughs> Like, I'm like, oh, sweetheart, look what I got for you. Here's some milk. Oh, my gosh, what's happening? You know, it's like, puh, 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 you know. Okay. Right now, um, people estimate, um, you know, Christians in the world to be in the billions out of seven billion. A pound of salt should influence a batch of dough. Okay. If, if there's this many salt and light manifestors of Jesus on the planet, where's the beef? Okay? And so I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying, um, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. Okay? I don't have influence on them, but I've got influence on you. And I'm just saying, guys, we have been given an absolutely impossible assignment that is so glorious and so magnificent. We get to shape the course of world history in this region and get to influence nations. And it just goes by simply being aware that he's with us. He's on the inside of me. He's never farther away than your own breath. Old Testament, they were trying to get God to come. Okay, that's not how we seek God. The way we seek God today is by believing what he says. He's on the inside of me. Here's a situation that is a storm. And God, I, I need peace. And I thank you. I've got peace living on the inside of me. So Lord, I give up my right to figure this thing out. And I enjoy you and even though you can't figure out what happened, all of a sudden there's a peace that comes on you. You can't explain it. You don't even have a bunch of verses in your head, but it's just, you know what? It's going to be okay. He's with me. And you begin to do that. And as you do that, you're walking in the kingdom and you come into an environment and it begins to shift. I know there's other things we'll do too here. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see human traffic end, end in our lifetime in this city. So, I mean, there'll be, there'll be overt things that we'll do. But it's not going to be done with human solutions. Okay? 
I, this may sound crazy, but I feel like God told me that the way abortion would end in our city was related to apostles carrying such power that they can lay their hands on people and that they would be dramatically filled with the Holy Spirit, like in the book of Acts, so much so that sorcerers wanted to buy the power. So imagine that level of drama. And imagine we had people so filled with that throughout our city that as they're laying hands on girls, they're so marked by the Holy Spirit, marked people don't get abortions. You see, that's not like a human solution, like, oh, I know what we can do. Like, man, like, God will give us solutions to cities' problems. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. A tasteless Christian is worthless. I'm not saying like they're not valuable to God, they're not loved. I'm saying you are failing at your assignment. Okay? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. I mean, what a worthless lamp that you light and you cover up so nobody can see it. It's like total waste. It's like a believer who is placed in an environment, and they're not shining. They're not manifesting the ninefold nature of God. It's a waste. And so I'm glad it's not so with this house. Like, I'm not here to judge and, like, we're better than... I'm just saying, gang, this is, this is not us. This... What I'm telling you is the air that we breathe. <clears throat> Unless you're new here, you've heard of all of this in some form before. Okay, that, like we're here to change the world. And so I close with this story, and I'm going to read a passage over you. Uh, I've told it many times before. And again, this is why I love new people. You haven't heard my stories yet, so <laughs> welcome. I'm glad you're here. So when, we, uh, when I was uh, younger, I was uh, in fifth grade, I was playing in the YMCA Basketball League, and I, just, I did not understand the difference between offense and defense. So all I knew was defense, and I was like a pesky gnat. And so what they would do is they would, um, they would have a jump ball each quarter, and so they would typically, you know, the, the coach would, you know, put in like a new team for that quarter. You know, it wasn't necessarily about winning. It was about kids getting, you know, playing time. And so match them up by height. You and you, you're guarding you. And so you're like, you know, okay, you shake the kid's hand like I'm guarding you. From that moment on, I am on this kid like stink on a monkey. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm like on him. So it's like, um, it's like free throw time. And I'm, I'm on there like, no, no, you got to line up here. I'm like, all right, all right. Like in the timeouts, I'm like all over this kid. And the coach's like, no, no, no. Jim, like over, like I am on defense all the time. Like, the kids absolutely miserable. I can remember kids like looking at the coach and like looking at their parents like, what am I supposed to do? I'm just swarming this kid. Okay? My dad's like trying to explain it to me. I couldn't get it. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, I don't, you know. And so it just didn't make sense to me. Okay? I'm afraid that so much of the church is always on defense. Look what the liberals are doing. Look what Fox News is doing. Look what this is doing. What's Obama doing? What's Trump doing? You know, what, what about the price of oil? You know, what are we going to do? What's North Korea? And what's this? And it's like, what? That's the old man. Take off those clothes. Take off those clothes. That's the... God has Adam and Eve in a garden, and he sticks the devil right in the middle of the garden. Like, if you had a nursery, I, I see some new parents here. I bet you none of you are like, hey, let's get a, let's get a pet cobra and put it in the kid's nursery. <laughs> Maybe like, like hang it like a mobile, you know, it'll kind of be like, you know, like, 
Like, like why on earth would God stick the devil in the middle of the garden? Okay? Because he wanted them to drive that thing right off of the planet. Why did God stick you in the middle of a dark room, apartment, workplace, family? Well, like whatever you, it is, okay? It's because you're to drive that darkness right off the planet through love and goodness and servanthood and honor. That's why you're there. We've got the ball. We're on offense. We're not on defense. I have these like, vision statements and declarations I read every morning, and one of them is, I'm on offense. I've got the ball. It's a big change for me. You're on offense, guys. I'm not talking like I'm being offensive. No, no, no. Love. Salt, salt and light don't need to announce itself. Doesn't mean you'll never give a verbal witness, but make them thirsty first before you try to drown them. Just let this wash over you because this is who you are. You and you alone are these things that I've been saying. There is no other hope, but here's the good news. You don't got to do this in your own strength. There is the pressure's off. He's living inside of you. Okay? So let me read this over you because this is who you are. Uh, this is Matthew 5, 13 through 16 again in the um, message. Just close your eyes and just let this sink down. And when you believe this, you become this. Remember, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't, you think, don't, don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you here on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. Wow. Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, I just thank you for people who are willing to run, who are willing to be dangerous, who are willing to surrender our flesh and our desires and say, God, I want something way better. I want to transform a city. God, I want us when uh, <laughs> these Zioneers here, when we're in heaven, I want us to have stories to tell for ages to come. I want us to have seen Jesus get his full reward, that precious blood that he shed. God, let us take it seriously and spend the inheritance that we have through Jesus. Lord, thank you for making us catalysts and change agents. So, Lord, I bless these people. I bless you, Zion, to be salt that people may taste godliness. I bless you to be light, that people may see the ninefold manifestation of God. I bless you to become more and more mature as you learn to draw more and more from his strength, recognizing your weakness. In the name of Jesus, amen.